So yeah, it's uh, about time to start Connect This. Welcome back. Excited to see y'all here. Hello. Welcome. Welcome back. I don't feel like I even ever went anywhere. <laughs> Doug has been sitting in that little box. I just been waiting. Yeah. <laughs> Finally. I think I've I think I've been in like eight airports since our last show. Um, I'm wow. uh, uh, I'm Chris Mitchell at the Institute for Local Self Reliance, and I am a man who is just excited to be sleeping in his own bed again after a, a month of of travels. You know, don't uh, don't cry for me. Um, I got to see Kim. Uh, so that was fun twice in that time period. Um, we are going to talk about a variety of things today. We do not have a mid show guest. Uh, we got a lot of fun. We've got some great, uh, peekaboo, uh, stuff lined up. Uh, and then we got a whole lot of topics to dig into as always. People should feel free to join us in the chat. Uh, feel free to, I don't know, send me letters. And then in like three or four days, I'll read them and see what you had in mind. Um, we should start by introducing folks. Um, we I want to start with Travis Carter because Travis, I feel like I always introduced you last, and it's pretty exciting that you found our fan. So uh, that's exciting. the fan. I found the fan. Hey, Mark, appreciate the support. Yep. Uh, Travis runs USI Fiber in Minneapolis, which is uh, crushing it. I think the technical term is busy, busy right now. It's our time of the year. The weather. We have seven nice days a year in Minnesota, and we're taking advantage of them. So. Lots of customers so nice are coming live, uh, expansion. Yeah, good. Things are things are good. And then we have Kim McKinley. Kim, you're also someone who I think is excited to be home. I am home. I, I was like going to say that. This is like the first time I think I've been in actually Utah on one of these podcasts in a long time. <laughs> Excellent. And Kim's with Utopia, uh, the, the wonderful open access network in Utah, which is the largest open access network in the nation. And just finished building out the largest city in the United States that has citywide open access, uh, West Valley City. Correct. With 141,000 residents. And as many nice. people are moving into Utah, it's probably 145, just since we looked at that number. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, yeah. I was giving you some crap. And actually, I think you've surpassed Clarksville then. Because mm -hmm. I think the, the number that I had on West Valley City was old. Because I think Clarksville has like 137 or something like that. We'll have to give Christy Batts come back on to uh, let us know. Let's fight it out. Um, no, it's, you know, it, well, Utah in the last census was the fastest growing state in the nation because uh, everybody's moving out of Minneapolis because they have seven good days a year. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> hey, uh, Kim, how long did that take you to build? Okay, we don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is one of the original cities of the Utopia Network that we started uh, this process in like 2006. Um, and from the original 11 cities that we started this project, they will all be finished uh, at the by the end of the year. So it's yeah, and I mean, you're like in like the 90 percentages, like 90 percent, like mid 90s. For, yeah, yeah, we only have two more cities um, and they are basically at 97. Are you halfway through any cities right now? Um, of the new cities, we are halfway through, but no, none of the older cities. We have Pleasant Grove that we're building in Syracuse, um, but all of the new cities in the recent years are completed as well. That sounds to me like you need more work. Uh, don't worry, Roger is on. My boss is on the road right now, um, and I think he has four city council meetings in the past 24 hours. So I have no um, no worry that we will be uh, slowing down anytime soon. And then we got Doug Dawson. Doug Dawson created CCG, has worked with more than a thousand clients uh, over the course of I don't know the last 150 years since he started putting up telegraph poles himself. Welcome, Doug. Well 
Well, welcome to you too. And I just want to say, since we don't have a mid mid uh, meeting guest, why don't we just grab one of our fans and drag them right onto here? Oh yeah, <laughs> don't, don't even tell them. Just put our them fan, yes. <laughs> just drag People... right into our show and, and say, and then ask them a question. I think Ride just broke out in hives. <laughs> <laughs> so this is our first show without Henry, who who we really miss. Henry really made this show uh, possible in the in the way that it has, but Henry's moved on, and um, and Rye's taken over the that production seat. So uh, we greatly appreciate that, um, and we're gonna test some things out right now as we jump into the telecom peekaboo section. So what do we got? All right. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> it's not well, Christmas. I took this photo. To look, I took this photo recently. To see if that's Ivy or Kudzu, but whatever it yeah, is, it's not a that? good job. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to. I want to know if anyone can identify where these pictures are taken. Um, you know, as we go through, there's three of them here. Uh, but the first thing I'm just looking at is like, whoa, this is a this is not a maintained pole, right? Like, that's yeah, rough. not not for a while, no. I thought that was Gumby for a minute. I didn't know. Actually, that's a pretty good Gumby uh, Im imitator here. Yeah. Travis, is this, does that make you happy that you're not on poles? Uh, I don't think you run into any of that underground, do you? <laughs> no, you run into other things, so like uh, transmissions and uh, rocks and et cetera. But you know what? What is interesting about that pole? Wow. That certainly isn't up here in Minnesota. Nothing would grow that fast. So that's in the south. It's in the south yeah. somewhere. Yeah. It would it would do that around me. So yeah. Okay, so the next the next Beautiful. clue as to where we are. Wow. Is that, that so I don't I didn't really understand what I was looking at there, but it doesn't look good. And I can understand if people are having trouble seeing it. So I'm gonna share my screen for a second where I was able to zoom in um and see if we can if anyone can explain to me exactly what is going on here. That's a little bit more zoomed in. I don't know. What do you think, Doug? It looks, it looks like a lot of abandoned drops. I, they're abandoned. I think that what happened yeah. is that, that they were there and and maybe they've put them underground and they just came up here and cut them off. Yeah, it looks I, like they've I, just cut off a bunch of ends. Yeah, because you don't you don't normally cut more than onesie twosie drops dead. So to cut that many off, they they probably underground at this piece of the world. So, yep. And of course, they never come and clean this stuff up. It just hangs there. Yeah. And then, of course, that's places where water and stuff gets in. <laughs> you know where I saw one of these, though? I saw this in West Baltimore. That's where yeah. I saw most of this. So, huh? Yeah. Is that where well, you were? Verizon's been very actively getting people off copper, so they would do that. Yeah. All right. So, uh, show the last one, Rye. So that's a, um, uh, a poll that has a bunch of smart stuff on it. Um, yeah, you... I wonder if I can pull that one up too. Yeah, I can't, I can't quite see that one good enough. I don't know how smart that stuff is, but it's on the pole. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I was wondering in particular, I think the bottom one is a little bit more self-explanatory, but what is this one? The Omni at the top. So Omni, what's that? Omnidirectional antenna, sorry. Yeah. But you don't know what it's for. It's a it looks Wi-Fi ish to me, a two by two MIMO yeah. Omni antenna. Yeah, it's it's just something like Wi-Fi. Yep. Yeah. Then, is this also Wi-Fi related? 
that looks like a no. That's small cell, the bottom one there. Yeah, there's actually a notice there. Um, yeah, yeah usually, angle on it. usually it's a climbing notice of what frequencies they're operating in. But these are just the antennas. I think if you go further down. That, things further down then are the power supply. The, the, yeah, they look like the radios right there. Yeah, yep, yep. And, oh, no, no, sorry, sorry. You know what that is? That's a, that's that, a okay, okay, that, that there That there goes to the Omni antenna at the top. Right. And then that is actually a small cell integrated. You can see the LED at the bottom of the second one. So that has all the radio and electronics built into it there. And it looks like you have power and network coming into it from the third box down. So, but you know what I like most is I like the, I like the pole. That's a nice yeah. pole. Yeah. So this is West Baltimore. You nailed it, Travis. Yeah. Aren't I clever this like is, that? This is Johnson Square. Did you read it or did you just? Uh... No, move your mouse. Yeah. You, you saw that. Like West Baltimore. Okay. That small cell. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they have the, they have the cuts, <laughs> the cuts of the like in that. Baltimore. Uh, it, it would appear so. That's well, uh, Johnson Square. It has to be Ivy then. Yeah. So you should have just like kept with that, and you're like, yeah, that was West Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't all. The, I don't know why this mapping so hard. I mean, everybody knows. That's <laughs> yeah, you should have just said, I remember that poll. <laughs> no, but you know, the poll is interesting. It's purpose built would be the only thing I would be concerned about. Especially yeah, no, we, we we actually saw this with, um, and I went to Lincoln, um, that was probably four or five years ago. Lincoln had negotiated a cutting edge contract with Verizon in which uh, it, was a, it was a good deal for both the city and for Verizon regarding small cells. Um, uh, it was done by um, David, David Young, who's a, who's a good friend and uh, was CIO um, eventually in the, in the city. And um and it was a uh, it was purpose built polls that uh, they they went back and forth with Verizon on to find a good poll that everyone liked. And so whenever Verizon wanted to go to an area, they'd swap out the poll and put in these new polls. And the polls had a port for the city on the poll. And uh, it was a bunch of really good deals. And uh, it struck me I've seen more and more of these polls around now. How is it? Yeah, made? but you got to be careful not to get so custom because yeah. I remember twenty years ago, and I don't remember which Maryland city it was, but they put in. Uh, broadband over power line. Remember that terrible stuff? Yeah. And they and they put in a ton of custom poles for it and they're not usable for anything else. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 they're metal like that one, except they're ornate. And it's like, boy, did they ever waste a lot of money on that. I don't think it ever hit one megabit a second. So I think you're right. I think a lot of that doesn't age well. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of that. A lot of the wireless technology does not age well. But no. like, I mean, if you have a pole that's basically designed to have like uh, um, uh, ports put on it, and it has an LED light, like, what else do you need? I, I'm missing like what the. I well, mean, some of that obviously power running up through it, and it's got generic ports that you can put anything on. You'll be fine. But yeah. Yeah. Um. So that that uh that's Johnson Square. In uh, West Baltimore, uh, where um, I uh, uh, got a chance to visit, the city's doing some pretty cool stuff. Um, the local folks are doing interesting Wi-Fi projects, and there's a lot of local organizing, and um, uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, they also have a bunch of small cells that I was surprised by. Um, they have um, uh, Crown Castle was on a bunch of corners there, which I was surprised at. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm is, is Crown Castle more likely to be in low-income neighborhoods where like Crown Castle is in a real estate grab? They are grabbing yeah. these things for the long-term potential, and they are building tens and maybe hundreds of millions of dollars worth of this mm -hmm. stuff. They are. And a lot of these have no tenants. They're just grabbing the corners because they think in the long run, that's where their money's going to be for the next hundred years. So, 
Hey, Chris, you can't pull that picture back up again real quick, can you? No, I can't. Which one? Can, can Rye? The, the, the yeah, no. pull. Yeah. I'm just wondering what... Rye can pull it up. Okay. I, I... If, if that's Wi-Fi on the top, I'm wondering how that effective that is. It seems too high for it's me. It's too high because by the time it gets to the ground, yeah. the signal's already half dissipated. Exactly. <laughs> I wonder how effective that actually is. Are they trying yeah. to serve people on the ground? Because even with a seven-degree down tilt... I mean, you basically have an umbrella up there. I'd be really yeah, I think, I, I think they're serving. There's a party on the roof of that building, and they're just yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah. the nice thing is, is I'm guessing that Jason, who's been a past guest, will be watching this show and can answer that, and he'll probably. Yeah, I was, he, he, he's, and he's probably he's probably on right now, fuming at all. I think he usually watches on Friday. Um, <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> so the question, Jason, is is what that Omni, what down tilt, and how effective is that? Because. We we didn't have much luck running Wi-Fi that high up, right? You know, but no, then again, it's hard for me to tell how tall that pole really is. From it looks picture. pretty, looks pretty. I feel like tall. that's a think like 15, 20 foot pole. Like I mean, okay. twenty maybe more. Like I that. that yeah, yeah, I don't understand why you don't know this, Travis. If you knew it was West Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, and I'm more offended that Jason watches on Friday and not live. I mean, why wouldn't you stop everything that you're doing to watch us right now? Well, yeah. Uh, so let's move sure. on to well, Kim, um, you just you probably just got rid of our last two people who are watching live. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, hey, Travis, you uh, you finding that uh, prices are coming down for any gear or uh, poultry? <laughs> oh, it's unbelievable how cheap things are right now. I can't believe it. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know what you guys are all complaining about. Yeah, I, I had to break my Tesla out. Gas is so expensive now. So that there you go. <laughs> That's no, good. it is incredibly expensive, and every day it's just you know how we do this telecom peekaboo every week. Mine is a rate increase of the day. So this week, this week, ding ding ding, handholds up twenty percent. So if you so twenty percent over like December or like twenty percent over when? Because like, I feel like you just said that they were twenty up twenty yeah, percent. Another twenty percent since January. Oof. Yeah. yeah on supply, though, do we see? Are we seeing price increases because of the supply chain, really, or are we seeing that um, these manufacturers are raising their rates because they know the demand is so high and they can't? Uh, I think for things like handholds, at this point, it's a, it's greed based on demand. They're mm -hmm. they're getting more orders than they can fill, so they're raising the price. Mm -hmm. you well, know, the the large places, the them. Cornings of the world, are not really doing that, but the smaller people are just gouging. And so, yeah, it, not all of them, but the ones, you know, but the ones who actually have them in stock are the ones who are gouging. Yeah, but, but what are they paying for diesel fuel to get them here? I mean, that's, right, that's right. I mean, it, it's just, it's everything, you know, is based, based but, off. But they're not paying 20% more of the cost of the unit. They really are not. So. Well, yeah, but the, yeah. the delivered cost, you know, that's it, the delivered cost is up another yeah. 20%. So if I doubt it's up 20%. Well, Call me skeptical. You want to we're, we're going to do a peekaboo with invoices. No, no. Yeah, so yeah. I have no doubt that they're charging you to more twenty percent. I'm saying that their cost. Oh no, I, no. I, I'm, a, I'm. That's what I'm telling you. They're well, not. what is what? What is the price of diesel fuel gone up since January? That would be a, a question because all, I mean that that's what in any of this big heavy stuff that gets moved. I mean, we have truckload. Well, Kim probably she's got the same thing. You got semis coming in every day with stuff on it. That stuff's expensive to move. It's heavy. It's big. And uh, you can't get a ton of handholds on a hand holes on a on a on a tractor trailer. But so. I think there's a lot of people who are taking advantage of the situation um, for some revenue. 
I don't think it's all. I agree with Chris and Doug. I'm, I'm, uh, I think that there is some advantageous, I can't even say it, pricing that's happening out there. Diesel's up according to the Energy Information um, Administration, which is uh, actually like a really, really well done part of the federal government in terms of tracking these sorts of things. Um, from December, it was uh, 364. Now it's 557. Nonetheless, like that's what like uh, that's like uh, what like 40 percent increase, but like that's probably like two or three percent of the cost of, no, of that, the product. That, that probably adds 50 cents to each handle. I mean, it's a, that's important, but it's not enough to drive it. You know, I'll, I'll I'll do some homework for our next. I'll, <laughs> I'll get an idea of how many come on each handhold, how far they go. We can do some simple math on it. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, simple math. That's why people tune in. Um, yeah. You know, I think I think we should do something that we've never tried before. This is it's a little bit of a crazy idea. I'm going to call it uninformed speculation. Um, none of us are familiar with No, Doug. No. <laughs> yeah, let, let, let's answer Curtis's question, though. The folding, the breakdown handholds. Have you seen those? You can't get them. They're they're all sold out. Um, and that, that that's been the problem that we've had is AFL bought the big company that makes them. You know, because you can put obviously fold them down in there, but their their whole production sold out for the next two years. So I want to get back to the uninformed speculation, crazy yeah, idea, first time ever thing that I want to try. <laughs> from a marketing oh. perspective, I think we really need to rename this, uh, Chris, from a marketing um, person's perspective. So this comes from a meeting that Kim and I were at a few hours ago. And as I was speaking about this, a couple of things sort of occurred to me. And um, this is so this is not well versed or anything, but I'm curious, particularly, Doug, how you would react to it, um, uh, which is that I feel like we talked before about the bead rules, the the program with the forty two and a half billion dollars for the federal government that the rules that NTIA from the federal government has released and states will be crafting now over the next year to develop their programs to spend that money. Um, we felt like there's a good chance that a lot of people won't apply because uh, the rules are so stringent, like they're they're just really uh, it's the most complicated federal broadband program we've ever seen, and it's going to be very difficult to apply for. Um, on the other hand, I was wondering, we've seen so much consolidation um, and so much private equity getting in. I'm curious if we might see a lot of uh, of activity from these companies that are now fueled by private equity to try to build these uh, fiber monopolies in rural areas, and they'll figure out how to deal with the rules because they have the scale and they can put the money into it on that long-term bet. That's not idle speculation. I think it's absolutely going to happen. Um, the private equity guys, uh, and I can already tell you, for example, uh, you know, the new company that's buying the big chunk of CenturyLink, they I don't are, know them. no, but, but they're, they don't even exist yet. That's why you don't know them. But, you know, they, they will probably come into official existence sometime before the end of the year. CenturyLink is already filing grants on their behalf left and right. Mm. And so, and they're completely fueled by private equity. So they're, they're essentially using the CenturyLink name to build huge amounts of new fiber and it has nothing to do with that in the century like copper. I mean, and so that that's absolutely driven by that. And they're going to count on, they normally wouldn't look good on grants because they're brand new, no experience, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, they're, they're very smartly ponying on the fact that they bought these properties and I guarantee you they're going to go, they're going to go big time in here. You can just tell they're already filing them all over the place. I ran into half a dozen of them this week. Mm. So you so, think, so you think, I think that's going to happen a lot. Those guys can afford to pay the consultants 
to wade through the paperwork. Yeah. So, and they already well, have the money in the bank to pass the, the financial test. And what's the right. long-term implications of these private equity firms coming into these marketplaces? I, I'm shocked by it because the whole purpose for them to do this is fiber properties are at an all-time high of, of multiple, and somehow they think they're going to flip these things. But the rural properties are just not going to be worth that much because they don't have very much margin. A, a giant multiple of no margin is still nothing, right? <laughs> uh, so I can't understand the math behind it. I've, I've been, I've been to, thinking about that for six months, and I can't figure out why they would do it. I have to assume that this gets back to this issue of like the biggest fear they have is price regulation, which oh, I've yeah. long thought is 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 dumb because I don't think price regulation is going to work. But I think when you look at the amount that these people are planning on charging, there will be such high demands for price regulation that um, probably we'll see an administration right. that caves to it and it tries to make it work. We're already seeing some of the RDOF winners with only one broadband product priced at $100. Rural America is not going to handle that well. Isn't this why the bead money has the uh, middle class pricing <laughs> to protect this? Well, yeah, whatever that means. Because the the FCC also, or the Congress also told the NTI they weren't allowed to set rates. So I, I don't even know what they're trying to do here. Uh, but I think they're reacting to that because there are RDOF guys, you know, $100 minimum broadband price. That's not what these programs are supposed to be for. So it's fine if you're in corn country, it's not fine anywhere else. Well, so we're building out unserved and underserved America, but we're, um, pricing them out of the market in which they can't purchase the said broadband. Great. Not right. just that, but I mean like this, the result will then be that no one else can really feasibly go in to these areas to then compete because you just have that issue where like, okay, like you're gonna start building in this area. Well, fine. They'll just lower their price in that area. Well, actually I disagree with that. You know, what's going to come and get them fixed cellulars. When they get fixed cellular up to give everybody in Rory hundred megabits, they're going to kick those guys, butt. So, hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, T-Mobile's already out there. Fifty dollars. I I talked to a farmer a couple weeks ago who's got a T-Mobile unlimited connection at 120 megabits, fifty dollars a month. You know, you have to live close to the cell site because they get more cell sites. And T-Mobile says they're they're going after five million customers in the next three years. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's the the answer is they're building them now. Dish Network's the same thing. This networks is going to go for this big time. So I, I don't I think that's I think that's going to pull the price pressure down. We'll, we'll see. I'll be curious. I mean, five million is not that many. Like T-Mobile is going for five million. Well, like they'll get well, five million. They said they were going for five million, but they, they already got a million and they barely started. I think that they're going to have to revise that number. <laughs> right. But there's like, you know, there's like there's like, you know, 10 million households in rural America who need. Right better service and like most of them aren't going to be touched by the t-mobile probably not going to be touched by the dish anytime soon eventually in 10 years probably well both of those companies are required to pass 97 percent of people within the next two years now whether they really do that or not because they've they, no one of those companies have ever met their promises before but that's what they're on paper they both have promises to the fcc to do that we'll see
Doug, so anyway, I think optimistic now that you think that they're going to hit 97. I feel like, Doug, you can't be this optimistic if you're going to be on this show. Oh, I just said they won't meet it. So I'm not. Gonna <laughs> I just said they have the obligation. That's not the same thing as. Doing so I feel like we have we now have two competing predictions. One is that uh, we won't see um, areas that anyone applies for. And the other is that private equity will be trying to gobble it all up. Um, I don't know if those are necessarily intention. But well, interesting. Uh, private equity will go where the. The normal guys like the cops will go, I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole, and then those guys will go in there. Is that a smart decision? Probably not. The reason the local guy didn't go after it, there's a reason for it. <laughs> but who are these private equity guys hiring to do the design and to like the feasibility and of going giant into the, the giant companies again? They're because they're they're throwing hundred million, a billion dollars at it. They're hiring the very big companies. That's the big engineers, the big construction companies. Yeah, can they be even successful of going into these areas? Or are they? Just but that's what killed Google, right? I mean, that's what you're getting at, Kim. I think, right? Yeah, basically, right. it's because they're like putting these lofty goals out there that they can do this, but can they really do this, or do they have the skill set to do this in rural America? Which a lot of them, from my um, point of view, don't. Well, the skill set to actually operate the business—that's the part. Ask Travis about running the company. Well, that's, that's exactly, I mean, that's yeah. what I say when I Google Fiber. My understanding was, um, and I think there's still a lot of, this is totally in dispute from a lot of different people, but in talking to a lot of people inside and outside of, of Google Fiber over the years, like I get a sense that one of their biggest problems was that they had the sense that they could hire big national companies and figure out how to build everywhere at once. And then they found that they couldn't because like building is a local thing and, and there's not a lot of advantages to like massive scale at the actual like pole permitting and, right. and the design areas. Yes, that's true. You have to be agile in these areas. You have to be creative to get into some of these areas. And these big companies, that is not where their specialty lies. No, the big companies do a desk design and then they go out and go, huh, this isn't like it looked on the paper. <laughs> <laughs> it's a how, many, I'm sure how many times in a city block do you change your mind, Travis? When you're oh, building? Right. sure, there was one today, right? We had to redesign on the fly because we ran into contaminated soil. Right. What and was it contaminated so with? Uh, I, apparently there was a or a dry cleaner that was there at one mm -hmm. point, and I don't know what these cities do. They don't clean it up. They just say, "Now this is contaminated." So yeah, you had to we had to redesign part of the network in twenty minutes. Otherwise, the contractors were going to sit idle. So so what does that mean? Like you couldn't bore underneath it then? Well, you can't you can't bore without special training and special protective gear for the the crews. So, yeah, but if you didn't have a relationship with the city, you didn't, you'd, you'd shut the whole operation down. Okay, so, but I have a further question. We just let yeah. contaminated soil sit there, with, like with residents around it, but we can't bore through I, it. You know what, I, I didn't want to get into the debate, but I was like, really? Okay, but okay. I, guess this, I guess this is all over the place. I would imagine there's a whole lot of that around. Yeah, so. yeah I mean, I think... Um, uh, there's a old, there's a gas station that was totally neglected and a real problem nuisance property here, not far from me. And, um, and I think they did what is pretty common. I, I didn't see it happening, but all of a sudden there's like a very totally even layer of soil across it. I assume they, they removed a whole bunch of soil and brought in a bunch of new stuff and just mm -hmm. threw it down. And there it'll sit. In my neighborhood, there's two houses that are built on what apparently was a gas station 50 or 60 years ago and and they let them build houses on it without cleaning it up and now they tell them they have a problem it's like yeah and they're not the original builders obviously so yeah cities are nuts sometimes
Uh, so well, different different area of dysfunction related to all this. Um, we'll, we'll give NTIA a break for a second and focus on the FCC. Um, uh, as Kim and I had this meeting earlier and I was describing all of the things that have to happen at the FCC. And as I'm describing it, I'm just thinking more and more. I, I, we're crazy if we think that this is going to happen, right? Like the FCC has to settle the fabric and they have to adjudicate all of these different challenges across the entire country and then give NTIA figures. Like I can't even imagine that the fabric will be done this year. Um, it, it, at the same time, they're going to be handling the speed test challenge or like the speed challenges as well as the fabric challenges. It's crazy. No, no the NTIA got smart there. Remember there's two challenge processes. There's one for this grant only at the state. And that doesn't change the FCC maps. That just means the state grant office can ignore the FCC maps. So though those grants, if they get allowed, because it's way harder to change the FCC maps, it's really hard to change those. But the states can come along, get a challenge. They can say, yep, I agree with you because you did all these speed tests. They have to tell the NTIA about it. And the NTIA wants these grants to work. They're mostly going to say, yes, I believe. That does not change the underlying map, though. So okay, um, so yeah, so we don't have to wait for the FCC no, to complete their process. No, we have to, to we have to wait for them to get the first one out. I'm very pessimistic about that happening. <laughs> right, and especially because one of the things that has to happen, Harold Feld talked about this, and and I know there's been some pushback on his analysis, but he was basically like, the FCC hasn't had a unanimous vote on any of these mapping issues for many years, and we have a two-two FCC. What are the odds that the FCC is going to come together to agree on a map? to move forward that there might be so much pressure on that one that they they might even get a unanimous vote because boy if, if you if two guys say you know we're not going to have this 45 billion dollar and they might because it's a political thing right well, right, because I mean, I feel like yeah. you know, it's one of those things that, like, you know, if if the if Republicans can run ads in October saying the Biden administration hasn't put any of the money out yet, or like you know, it's, it's all right. stuck up, and the Biden administration is like, well, actually, it's because of Republican obstruction at the FCC. Like, people have fallen asleep in the third word well, that's, of that that's explanation. Gone, right? Yeah. Uh, so I just I, I feel like you're, you're, you're okay. You're killing my slight five percent optimism. I still have. <laughs> <laughs> my, my question is, how many people are the FCC going to hire to handle this? Like, because it's trying to hire all these people. They're not getting money out of this grant stuff. They have their normal budget. So, yeah. Well, the FCC did yeah. get like uh, like $200 million, I thought, around the, some of this mapping stuff. But I assume that those hires are completed. Yeah. Anyone that they would have been. And those all went to consultants. They went to the mm -hmm. big mapping Two-hundred million dollars to create a map? Yes. A fabric, too, I think. We, I mean, are, I exactly. we are in the wrong business, Travis. That's a lot Whoa. easier than actually building okay. a network, isn't it? <laughs> and we'll call it? Okay. We'll give them a fabric, a button, and a map for $200 million. My God. These guys know how to spend cash, don't they? I'll even give them a I voted the day sticker. You name it. What do you want? Okay, yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, I, have a, I have a question for you, Travis, since I just wanted to see if there's an update since the two weeks since I've seen you last. Are yep. you going to apply for any of the bead money? Or have you <laughs> I, I have you don't found need, anyone? I don't need beads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you kept no. saying, Travis, you kept saying, I don't know who's going to apply. Have you found anyone? I, yeah, uh, who's applying? And I, you know, not that I like to disagree with uh, Doug, but if you're private equity, why would you want to get hauled into all of these regulations and rules that these B grants have? I mean, I, I would I put the equity in, I'd put sub debt and senior debt on top of it, and I'd go out and build. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be restricted with all of these rules. And I mean, 
at, at government speed, when does this money actually get out? Like 2072? I mean, this this whole thing's going to be over by then. Well, here's the here's the math, real simple math. Because you say, well, they're going to give me 75% of the money, right? Yeah. Well, by the time we jack up the price of the project by 40% to comply with all this stuff, they're really only giving you like 45% of the money. Exactly. And it's not a good deal anymore. And so, and I don't, you know, I'm always curious, Kim, you know, we, our mantra is, you know, we never get this revenue generating day back, right? So we have to get as many customers live and billing today as possible. So the question is, then if you take four or five years of an area that's unserved and you take the monthly reoccurring revenue, I mean, you're actually going backwards taking this bead money. I, I, I have no idea how the math works. And yes, thanks, Curtis. And then you got to pay tax on top of it. Oh, oh, this is genius. Who came up with this? And you have a requirement to do ACP for the life of the network, uh, which, you know, you might be intending to do, but that's a, the life of the network is a, well, it's a significant requirement. Yeah, it's, it, longer well, than any year. Not a money in two years anyway. So. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, that's not the question, right? I mean, like, answer your question. No, hell, heck no. <laughs> What the heck would I get into that? That's like wrong business right there. The answer is she asks this question every show just to get a rise out of you. It works every time. Well, look, well Chris and I argue about this, right? Because honestly, if it, you know, I don't know. I, I use the inverse model that everybody else uses. I, I would serve the middle community first, generate revenue, and then build out from there. Everybody else wants to build these rural areas and forget about the town center. The town center is where your cash flow is to service the outer region. Well, I don't think that's rare, Travis. I think that's a very common understanding of what you should do. Well, <laughs> I do want to answer Travis's yeah, question. I, I've never seen it, though. Huh? Electric co-ops can do this because if they have a goal of breaking even in 40 years, this will work. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. So, you know, if you have that kind of slow capital mindset, these are just fine. Uh, but uh, if, if you actually want to make money, I just can't see it. So. Right, because for the <laughs> it's a seven-year fund usually life. They have a seven-year fund life. So these things are going to get need to get profitable and get sold within the next seven years. Well, the, you have to get the government's permission to sell them. Yeah. The other thing to understand about the electric co-ops is like, it's like um, you know, McDonald's doesn't have to make money on everything, right? right. Like the the electric co-ops if they can just make this barely pencil and it helps their electric sales um, or if, if you go from a if you go from a two percent decline to a one percent growth oh that's amazing right um for the electric sales so like it's a it's a totally a smart decision electric electric. sales there's no, no electric co-op has ever had to sell a customer everybody just hooks up no that's the point is that like yeah, they're yeah. Kim, losing Kim and I have are moving away customers. yeah kim and i have to sell customers no, you have Travis, you're missing the point. Is that but, like, if, but if you go to the areas right outside of where I live here, where there's several electric co-ops and you build fiber, people are, where it's too expensive to live here are going to go live there because they can work from home. And that's going to, that really changes those rural neighborhoods. So exactly, yeah. Travis. So like, if you have a declining base and you can make that base grow by smart fiber investments and you sell electricity to them, even if you lose money on the fiber, which is not what's happening with the electric co-ops, but even if you did, it could be a smart play. Oh, okay. Sorry, Doug got me all wound up about taking bead money, so and, I got to No, I, that was Don't car. blame me. <laughs> <laughs> I really like Curtis's comment right here, but I think that's the problem with bead, that he wants the money to go to long-term entities or like long-term financing because they have their mission oriented well that's what munis are and co-ops are but they are kind of priced out of this they are skilled out of this so will it go to those guys is the problem and 
I don't think it will. So well, it's, let's, let's let me put a footnote on that. Why is Charter doing this? Charter says they're going to go after a ton of this. I don't. I assume it. because Charter's already has all these art off commitments, right? Charter just and, needs and they're going to use this to fill in the holes, I guess. But but I don't Even, understand the art off commitments from them either. Because I think Charter says we have this tremendous lobbying potential because states like North Carolina will do anything that we ask them to. And so we'll get this commitment and then we'll tell them that they have to have use state money to replace the polls. And then we'll get this other money and we'll get this other money and it'll all work out. I don't Let think me tell you wrong. my theory on I'm Charter. I'm afraid they're not I, wrong. Then I have to be careful about stepping out of the front door. Charter is to the point, and so is Comcast, where they've been growing, growing, growing because they've been stealing VSL. The day's coming, that's going to stop. And, and the fixed wireless guys and the fiber guys are starting to feel like Travis are peeling their customers back. If, if they go out and build a couple more million passings of this stuff, they will continue to look like they're growing, even though their cities are shrinking. I, I think this puts off, I think this is to keep their stock price up. Mm-hmm. Now, six years they're going to come back and have a giant crash in their stock price, and they're going to go, yeah, it wasn't a good idea to invest in those rural properties. <laughs> right, but that, C- that CEO will have retired with oh, massive yeah, no, bonuses. No, no. With six years of bonuses, yes. And that's I, that's I, what I people believe, have to understand. I believe about, this is about yeah. bonus structure. You really have to understand how corporate America is governed right. to understand why it makes sense to make terrible decisions right. and take the payoff and get out of town. I mean, AT&T lost $80 billion in five years on two bad investments, and, and they didn't even get punished. For it. And a lot of us tried to stop them, you know? Like, I feel I like... <laughs> so, um, we want to. We have a couple of other topics Doug to hit on. Doug said the key thing there. But- Doug said the key thing in this whole conversation. So, if these big guys take the money and they don't fulfill it, what happens? Right. They don't get punished. Don't Kim, get punished. Kim and I take it, and we don't fulfill it. We're doing three to five up in Duluth, you know, what I found out is that I'm definitely in the wrong career if you can like work six years, get the big bonuses, and then just leave. And I'm working in the public sector. Bad choices, Kim. Bad choices. I'll talk yeah, well, about later. Yeah. You want to make big money? ILSR is where you got to be at. Yeah, we, we got four people on there who are apparently doing it wrong. Yeah, doing, doing podcasts. So. <laughs> Uh, I am still building, 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 uh, buying chicken wings, so uh, yeah. something's going right for me. <laughs> um, Wait a minute. You just ticked off another box on my bingo card. Thank you. <laughs> oh, you know what? I actually wanted to note, I was going to forget, uh, tomorrow's National Donut Day. And you know what goes uh, really great after a night of chicken wings? Next morning, donuts. So tomorrow, get on out there, support your local donut shop. Local donut shops are amazing uh, and uh, and need to be supported, particularly tomorrow, where there'll be like long lines, probably. <laughs> uh, one minute. Who, who likes donuts? <laughs> what? What? I've worked in this building too long, and every vendor for the past 11 years has brought in donuts, and you're just like, when you see another donut, you just want to throw but it. But they're not good local donuts. Eh. Local donuts are way different. They're actually oh, good. We got wow. a few good shops here. Not enough. Whenever I travel to like Los Angeles, you know, there's a donut shop on every corner. It seems like, and they're all so good. Um, okay. For the record, I love donuts. So, <laughs> I'm not a person. So, I I felt like this is. I wanted to talk about bead and in muni networks, but I feel like we've kicked that enough, I and we should we move have. on. Um, yeah. The New York City master plan. I, you know, I'm just, I'm, I've really turned into the grump, grumpy old man hanging out with you three. I'm just going to complain about everything. And um, in New York City, I saw this, you know, New York City developed this master internet plan. 
I thought it was a really good idea. The idea is generally that, hey, the city of New York, like put a bunch of money in not to connect people, but basically to get fiber close to almost every block so that entrepreneurs and even buildings themselves that are like co-op cooperatively organized and whatnot can just can can jump onto that connection. You know, it's sort of a massive neutral infrastructure around the city. Pretty good idea. Um, the new mayor has come in and, uh, and this is a quote from, uh, from the person in charge of it, uh, a guy named Frazier, um, says the plan is under review. Uh, and actually it's not a quote, it's the reporter saying uh, to ensure it didn't call for any new broadband infrastructure in places where it was already present. Well, gee, I wonder who's got their ear. You know, um, yeah, wow, that sounds like a campaign contribution. The reason like. that I wanted to bring it up is like just to explain, like they have 12 different ISPs they were working with. Those ISPs were expecting to start connecting some people this summer. And, and if you want to know why ISPs get so angry at, uh, at, at at the idea, whenever I'm like, hey, you should work with the city in a public private partnership. They're like, yeah, jackass. The last three times I did it, I was left hanging on two of them. And so, like, I just think it's worth noting, like, I do want to see public private partnerships, but like munis don't the cities don't always make it easy and it's just i i really feel for the companies that try to make this work and then they get hung out to dry well, travis when, you should do a public private partnership well, with when, the when, no, no no chance when when did um when did this master broadband plan come out like two years ago two and a half yeah, three years, yeah, ago. Two years ago yeah so what are they going to do with all the people they've already hooked up they haven't they hooked haven't people hooked up anybody up yet Oh, for two years, they haven't hooked anyone up? No, they, they, they developed the plan, and then when de Blasio was leaving leaving town, they funded it, which is not unsurprising. Like, one of those things that, like, you're so like, oh, now that I don't have to face the political consequences, I'm willing to piss people off. And, oh, now, okay. and now a new guy goes, oh, he funded it, but I'm not going to let anyone use it. The thing I've learned about government is you've got to get gravity started immediately. And what I mean by that, if there is a project, you got to get it underway with the people you did the deal with. So that the people that inherited, it's already a program underway. Because then it's grandfathered, and they never. Because then it's grandfathered in. If if you yep. try to cross administrations, you're dead in the water. Yep. So that would be my two cents. So yeah, I always yeah. ask. I, I will only do a deal with a city at the beginning of the term, not well, at the end. I think this no. is where Utopia has been very successful. Is because we try to depoliticize um, what we do, and we usually work with a lot of city managers, so it doesn't become a campaign issue over and over we're working with the stability in the city and not necessarily the politicians who are using this as a platform for their election which i think is a different when you see cities do it this way rather than the the new mayor coming in and making it um, a grandstanding like grandstanding about it i agree you don't make deals with mayors yeah mm -hmm. that's all that's always political just by definition so mm -hmm. yeah. um i do have a footnote to throw in here though Manhattan is never going to make this work because the, Manhattan is a complete disaster area. Rise when they tried to build Fios, the problem was every landlord who owns a building saw that as a gold mine to say they're going to charge Verizon $100,000 to jump fiber from one building to the next. That hasn't changed. And so these new guys aren't going to get past that either. You get to stand on the block and then you can't go any further. Well, I think. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I don't understand exactly what you're saying because I feel like the goal is is that I mean, like I don't understand. So you have to get permission from a landlord to just go buy their building? No, what happened with Verizon is they came to all the corners, all the intersections, and they built a manhole and they have fiber in it. And then they intended to go to the first building and then string along between buildings hundred feet up in the air from building mm. to building. And landlords went, 
oh, wait a minute, that's a very valuable asset. Give me $100,000 and I'll let you jump between the next building. So they didn't, landlords had just gone through a period where they got a fortune for rooftop rentals. Remember that period of time? So now they go, ah, fiber connection rentals. And that stopped Verizon dead. They would come to a block, go two buildings, they couldn't go any further. They would go to the other end of the block, go one building. Couldn't well, go are you exaggerating the cost? I mean, I would assume it would be about, oh, you know, no. like $150,000, $200,000 to bore or to like to to work in the duct. Under, oh, no, you know, no, it's a million dollars a mile in Manhattan. Yeah. Well, a million dollars a mile is uh, is a hundred thousand dollars a block, right? Okay, well, whatever. I mean, Verizon could have. They Verizon should have just gone ahead and done it anyway. Yeah, you know, and they just said this is over budget, and they stopped. Fact is, all these years they would have had all these fiber customers, but they stopped. So. Do we know any of the ISPs that are that have committed to this? The twelve ISPs that you were talking about. Uh, I know Clayton Banks from uh, Silicon Harlem, and he was going to focus on a number of MDUs. I mean, I think there's there's literally thousands of buildings that are cooperatively owned, and that's where I feel like there could have been a lot of interesting stuff that was done, right. even with a bunch of absentee landlords being pricks about it. Uh, there's still get them been... on here. That way, you could have a really good bitching session. That'd be great. And we like to hear a story. So, yep. yeah. Um, so, um, so anyway, that's on hold, and we'll see where it goes. I guess, but I know that's the. the, the, the sorry, go ahead, Kim. We're not cheery, and that we're not like the cheeriest guests you've ever had on. We are like, look at how happy we all are right now. <laughs> I I am excited to be on with y'all. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm I, I'm half thinking about donuts and half thinking about chicken wings. So, and then that leaves how, what percent for the three of us? Yeah. <laughs> yeah do you like chicken wings? I do like chicken wings. Okay, yeah. all right, all right, all right. We're still friends then. I mean, I think zero percent is about what. Uh, if you ask people to predict how much energy I put into thinking about what's coming out of my mouth, that would probably be pretty <laughs> close to what people assume. <laughs> Um, so interesting, interesting development. I thought just maybe, um, uh, coincidence, but, um, uh, both, uh, Indiana and Arkansas are seeing local entities building middle mile consortia, um, and electric cooperatives are deeply involved in Indiana. And I think solely involved in the one in Arkansas, which I believe is diamond state network or something like that. And, um, Anyway, I, I know that I think Kim probably knows the folks at NoahNet pretty well, the Northwest Open Access Network, which is 20 years old and and does some of these same things. I thought it might be worth talking a little bit about it. It seems like a pretty cool development. And uh, and I figured Doug would, would have some sort of trivia about it as well. So, uh, so what's going on there? Well, first off, this idea has been around, for, like I say, for 20 years. There's at least 15 states where the telephone companies got together and connected themselves all up. And so... And those networks over time made a lot of money. And so, yeah, the Dakotas right. both have one. Right. And so, here, if those electric co ops are going to all have last mile fiber, <clears throat> it's natural to save money by connecting each other. If they really want to do it right, they're going to do what the telephone cooperatives did in Tennessee, where they also consolidate all their back offices, hire two smart engineers for all 20 companies, hire one marketing group for all 20. If they're really smart, they would all save 15% on their operating costs. They would do that. No, that, if they were really I, smart, they would keep those local people there and benefit the local economies, Doug. Yes, yes. <laughs> Who's funding it? Are they funding it out of cash reserves? Are they bonding for it? Who's no, you got to remember that if the fiber runs the whole way through your network to get to everybody, it's not hard to make some of those routes into middle mile routes. I don't think that there's a lot of new construction. Mm. I think that they're just tying them together. Then they get the peering points and 
mm -hmm. all that stuff. Now, there's got to be some new construction, no doubt, because there's got to be gaps. But uh, that, yeah, that's there was smart. an effort in Iowa to develop one of these. I think uh, you know, Curtis well, Dean, if he hasn't abandoned, yeah, then yeah. some of it is developed. I think it hasn't right. didn't go as far as some of the yeah. people originally envisioned. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a. Uh, I mean, I, I'm surprised that TVA hadn't done this already. And I feel like if it did exist in across Tennessee, we would see even more cities that had taken a big bite out of this issue. Yeah, but Tennessee has several networks. They have Iris Network, the telephone companies built. I mean, there's a bunch of these around, so uh, they don't go everywhere. And you know, these co-ops go to places no one else is at. So that's well, no, the, the thing that I find interesting is that, like, you know, NoahNet was created by a bunch of the public utility districts. Right. And then some of the public utility districts got annoyed with NoahNet. And I'm just sort of curious how that develops over time. Uh, you know, where there's sort of, I feel like that organization, um, and I, you know, starts to develop some friction with its founders. I know that story extremely well, but I don't know that I want to talk about it to the whole world. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can appreciate it. We all have those sorts of things. It's personalities and, you know, knowing that's doing things that some some members thought went against their best interests. It's, you know, it's typical. So I mean, I think that but the only way we're going to really connect America is with cooperative efforts like this that we're yes. seeing in these areas. But I agree with you, Doug, when you get all of these people together in the same room, they don't always have the same mission. How right. From the network, it's hard to think of 15 electric co ops agreeing on big things. I mean, because boy, they're each independent, so and, and they're all 80 year old farmers and they keep going, We're, We want to do what? <laughs> <laughs> electric co op boards are a treat, I really love them, but they're you know, so they're they're some interesting folks, but yeah, but that's why municipalities hired Kim. Mm -hmm. went, we don't know how to run this network. Kim, tell us how to do it. So. And I'm like, I got you. Like, we need to bring something right here. That's how we do it. Get it done. Right. <laughs> no, but you need the expertise, and you you need, need the, the expertise. expertise. Yeah. So. Well, I think it's a it's a um, a good sign in the sense oh, that it should so. lower costs. Uh, you know, and um, one of the things that we have seen though is that in some cases those networks often owned by, uh, I would think uh, maybe I'll just tip my cards here a little bit and say uh, like uh, some of the more narrow minded incumbents have used those powerful middle mile networks then to cut off others and to prevent investment and to uh, lobby in the state legislatures to kneecap their opponents in Idaho. I didn't mean to say those last two words. Um, West Virginia. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So like, so like these things can also, I mean, it's not like they're, they're like, uh, I think what Kim said is exactly right. We need these things, but we also need them to operate, uh, you know, to some extent in the public interest and not just to further some monopoly goals. I mean, we all want more monopolies. Why wouldn't we want more monopolies, Chris? I don't understand what, like, we want higher prices, lower quality. This is like what we're really aiming yeah, I mean, uh, my, I agree with you, Kim, on that sentiment. I'll just say that my soapbox is always that I would take the higher prices if it didn't come with all the crony capitalism. Like, that's ultimately the problem. It's not just that like Comcast can raise my prices. It's that they buy the legislature. That really annoys me. Yeah, if you look at like how many donations from your uh, legislator and how much Comcast gives to each of them, it's really interesting that they almost give some kind of campaign donation to every single one of them. Of both parties, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, although this and this gets back to Gigi Sohn, where um, I don't remember how much we talked about this, but um, I feel like there's a number of people that are whispering that uh, whether it was intentional or not, and it's not 
unimaginable that it was intentional. Um, the Biden administration seemed to put Gigi Sohn out there where she's just getting beat like a pinata and hasn't done anything to actually get her confirmed. And, you know, the first the first place that Joe Biden went after announcing that he was running for president was to Comcast. Uh, you know, he just had a press conference in which he patted them all on the back, uh, all those big companies for basically doing very little. And uh, and it seems like maybe keeping the FCC at a 2-2 tie while Gigi Sohn is on the sidelines and getting beaten uh, is a pretty nice gift to those uh, telecoms that have uh, written so, so many checks to the Biden White House. It will, who really benefits by delaying the B grants if, if Charter wants to get, you know, $50 million out of it? I, I, don't, underst I don't understand why they, that, that one just confuses well, me. Well, so here I, I would advance one idea, which is that like Charter wants to get the B grants, but they'd be very happy to get them in 2026. Mm -hmm. True, true. I um EG is like staying sane through this whole thing. Like, how is she? keeping like getting beat up like this over i mean we're almost at a year right since she was announced wow. i think she's very focused i mean i i have tremendous respect for Gigi. i um you know i suspect that i may disagree with her more than than people might assume because i agree with her so strongly in so many issues uh but i think there's very few people that i can think of who would be better on the fcc who would take the job seriously and who would work day and night to fulfill the goals of the FCC in terms of just being an honest regulator. And I actually believe honestly that like the other members of the FCC aren't keen to have her on there, even if they're on her side, because, because, like, because on every issue, she will tell the honest truth. And that's, they don't really like that. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, I think saying the honest truth is like, I just think that's, we would agree with her a lot, but like, but like, it's not just that she'll go out there and say things that are popular or unpopular for given audiences. It's that she will back it up with evidence and she will change right. her mind if others make convincing arguments and and she will make deals with people, uh, you know, to get certain things done. And that's ultimately what we need. Like, we can't just have this like hopping from administration to administration where we don't do anything and we promise the world and ugh, ugh. She so. has to be. <laughs> I mean, she's been like through the ringer on this. I mean, just watching the t like the news coverage is is disheartening for somebody who's not even in that position. So I mean, kudos to her for doing the right thing. I I agree with you. I think she would be a great addition to the FCC if she makes it on there, which was still debatable if she's going to make it on there. But um, I I'm crossing my fingers for her. I would yeah. have to assume the reason that they haven't pushed the vote. I have to think they don't have the votes. Well, so. Yeah, I mean, I mean one I of the issues knows, in right? recent in recent weeks, um, they haven't had much of an ability to vote on anything because of right. combination of COVID, uh, strokes, uh, heart attacks, whatever. Like, right. um, I don't know if uh, Republicans developed a stroke gun where they're like, pew, and <laughs> but Democrats can't line up fifty votes. <laughs> there seem to be a few strokes. That are Go ahead, strokes. Travis. Oh, Go ahead, make fun yeah. of me. You are so funny. <laughs> is it should we what was that movie the bernie movie where they just like propped up the guy and like yeah weekend at bernie's weekend at bernie's yeah we should just do that with the democratic party and just sit yeah. up it's too bad bernie isn't one of the people who is missing because you could literally use bernie <laughs> how do you vote bernie <laughs> <laughs> so um we we're gonna we we're gonna end with uh, a discussion let's someone wants to throw anything in the chat uh regarding uh anything they want us to talk about uh, we, but, we missed one chris i, oh, I believe that's only, only curtis isn't that the only one no uh david asks with costs going up have your monthly costs for broadband gone up yeah go for it kim 
Um, right now, our costs have remained the same, but there is discussion of newer cities with the construction going up that we might have to alter our cost um, to, to, to raise it to accommodate some of those um, higher prices that we are seeing. We have not made any moves for, um, in that direction, but we are having discussions regarding it. And to clarify what you're saying, I'm guessing you'd also have to discuss, will you be having a unified cost structure and, and when you would only raise, so you already know. For the newer cities, the existing cities, um, because of bonding and whatnot that is in those documents, that we don't necessarily have that ability to do. So it, it would be newer cities. So you would like all these discussions are in place, but there is talks of some of the newer cities coming on board um, would have higher higher cost structure. Yeah, and no city, and no business can uh, can absorb this inflation forever. You'll have to raise rates everywhere yeah. eventually. I mean, you just have to. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Doug the Wizard, Doug the Wizard said it many episodes ago. Hundred dollar broadband will be a thing of the future. Well, yeah. The question is whether it's twenty thirty five or next year. Well, at the, <laughs> at, the, at the current inflation maybe next month so oh, yeah. I, uh, i've seen a couple of articles i have no idea if they're crazy or not uh suggesting that inflation is already coming down and we'll start to notice it soon hmm. where where I, I didn't read it far enough to remember the, all I that think it, i think it was botswana yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> no i mean we have multiple issues right i mean like um inflation is um is something that I'm not equipped to talk about, but like it is always interesting to me how people see like something like the inflation is huge and they may think, oh, it's it's everything when in fact it's often more the price of gasoline and a couple of other inputs. Also, similarly, like our economy looks like it's doing amazing by the sheer numbers just when the price of gasoline goes up. So like some of these things require a little bit more interrogation as to like which prices are going up and, and whatnot. Can I all, I know, all I know is that yesterday, Travis found a $20 chicken. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not as smart as you, Chris. I do it the old-fashioned way. I go to the grocery store, and uh, when I see a $20 chicken, I go, damn, there's some inflation here. So uh, It may have been a turkey. And yeah, was... I'm not looking for stimulus <laughs> or inputs or any kind of transient economic inverse yield curve models. I use the old chicken model at the grocery store. What if it was a chicken was ten dollars yesterday? It's twenty dollars today. I just lost an election to Travis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's a man of the people. <laughs> Kim, it depends if you were at Whole Foods or you were at like Kroger. Like, I mean, oh. no. I can't afford Whole Foods. Travis wasn't at Whole Foods. No, 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 no. Oh no. no. I mean, if yeah. you're at Tesla, I mean, I just assume that you're going to be at Whole Foods. Too. Oh, no. Oh, no, this no, is no. this is one of the things in which Travis and I, you know, like we have uh, many disagreements on different areas of life, but neither one of us feels at all comfortable walking into a Whole Foods for totally no. different reasons. No, no, they, yeah, they look at me like, uh, no, 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 you're you're not our kind. Leave. <laughs> yeah. What is that from Star Wars? You're not welcome here. Leave the droids outside. That's me at Whole Foods. Friend doesn't like you either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that Curtis is having a happy hour during this. When do we get our seriously? Yeah, you know, yeah, if, I think if Travis keeps talking badly about every grocery store. He won't be able to buy food anywhere pretty soon. Oh no! And I got to get Tra my ten thousand calories a day, or I'm grumpy. So, you know, that's Tra grumpy. Travis, are your costs going up? Um. So we we had a rate increase in January, but that has virtually been all absorbed through the 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 rating or the price the cost increases on. On, on what we're doing, we don't have a lot much where to go, you know, with with, you know, with with the competition the way it is, we're kind of pigeonholed into the pricing that we can charge. We can't get too far out of market here. 
Right. Get too, get How, too proud of ourselves. So right now you have an issue because I think like CenturyLink's willing to take more of a loss each month, right? I mean, like as the inflation goes up, the fact that CenturyLink is sitting there trying to keep trying to keep you pinned is like it's got to be cutting into their profits too and their you know, their numbers. You're gonna, you know, for those active Ethernet, you know, evangelists like I have been for years and years, we might have to start seriously looking at doing an XGS pond deployment in our, in parts of our you know in areas that have low uptake just because of the of the cost of deploying the active e on the front end so as much as it pains me we may have to start looking at that to help offset some of these expenses you're, so you're for people who aren't you're breaking right, Kim. Travis, i thought we were besties but now i i know i i'm gonna fight it as long as we can but uh it's really so, it's really one of the only options to keep the cost down. Well, so for people who don't understand what right Travis said, Doug. Right after that, he's gonna start using Tirana. So. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I want to make sure that everyone understands like what Travis is talking about is that like switching technologies will result in a significant fewer number of miles of fiber deployed. And that's where you would save your money. Right. Well, no, no, no. It's actually because what we what we do today is we buy buildings to put our switching stations in kind of like the old school and with the act or with a, a g-pod network we can just put a cabinet on the side of the road so we can save that three four million dollar expense in the building and all the infrastructure to support it and just go go to curbside technology it's it's i really don't want to but if if if, if this transient inflation keeps going the way it's going it, 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 it yeah it, it, you like that like yeah. yeah, we may have to. Uh, we may have to just consider. Yeah, Tarvana. We may have to. You, you know, when I read pots and pans, and um, and I saw Doug's article on six G, we may have to start looking at six G as the solution to this. I, I knew that you were going to jump right on that. Oh yeah, yeah. I've been waiting the whole show to bring up the six G. You know, you know. But I, I do want to say, Doug, I I really enjoy all the technical stuff. But today you went off off. You went off mark. You started talking about some other stuff today, non-related to the internet. You know, the uh, energy stuff, I, the fusion. Yeah. I thought that was fun. Yeah, if, if you, you know, hey, it's coming. It's finally here. I believe. I, I'm very. I I, I honestly expected that. I when I clicked on the link on Twitter that I saw from uh, Pots and Pans about like you know is I forget exactly how you phrased it about the charter cable. Um, uh, yeah. you know, is is cable is cable or is fiber better than cable? I yeah. expected it to be one word. <laughs> yes. See you tomorrow. I, <laughs> I might be the only one that's love for... executives. They're good for a quote every week. So, yeah. Can we have a Saturday Sunday edition? You think, Doug? Anytime soon, or what? Of of the pod of the uh, the the newsletter every day? Or I, if I did that, I would go way off topic. <laughs> <laughs> So last question was one that I thought we, it would be interesting to just explore quickly. And it was uh, based on a question we had in my office, which was if one of the cities in Utopia, um, I don't know, got uh, got annoyed at Roger for some reason, uh, hard to believe, and just decided that they were going to tell all of Utopia to, to go shove it because they got mad at Roger for something. Um, would um, would they be able to take their fiber and uh, and go find another provider to work with? Um, no, for the most part. I don't know if you know this, but we don't really build our fiber nets, our networks on the city lines. Um, they go, they're very interconnected. We build it as one big enterprise level uh, network, but it is a good question and we get it all the time. Um, we're not built, they, we don't build the networks like islands um, and everything is really interconnected. But yeah, it's a question of why can't they? 
but this is a very this is goes back to the question where we we're talking about electric cooperatives. It's very hard when you get into this to, to kind of dissect it back out. Um, and you really can't hear at Utopia. So um, do you do do you do contiguous builds at Utopia? Like, you know, like uh, you're not like Swiss cheese all over the place. You kind of like try to keep your your network uh, contiguous, right? Yeah, I mean, we have some holes, like we have some places, but they're all connected. Like, so the thing about Utopia is we're a 200 mile span along the Wasatch Front, and we're not always connected into every city, but there is connection. Like we have, yes, like long haul fiber connecting everything. So our fiber technically goes from the, the basically Idaho all the way down into Vegas. We have a connection down into a data center in Vegas. Um, wasn't that one of the problems you faced early on was that you did have Swiss cheese and in some cases you had more holes than you did and you just had like stranded investment when yeah. RUS improperly pulled your grant and things yeah. like that? Yes. Like it, when RUS back in the day pulled our grant, um, we had uh, some networks that we had fiber in the ground, but it wasn't connected to anything. And so when we re kind of our new model that started in 2009, went back to those cities, we had to figure out what the heck was in the ground, hmm. where terminated and kind of just do an audit uh, because when they left, when those contractors left, we had no idea what, what was left and what condition it was in. So yeah, no, like we've built it very where we have redundancy and everything for all these cities to make sure they stay up um, if any kind of uh, major event happens. I think we're at about 4,000 plus miles of fiber in the ground at this point. Nice. And we're, we're, I get the, uh, the, the report from our contractor every week. Like I know what it is, but it's always like we this much conduit this week. Like I should be very excited. Um, <laughs> Travis, how many miles do you have? You know, I was, I was just thinking that I got, I'll pull that statistic because we monitor production by week of how many feet of conduit get put in the ground. I'll have that answer by next time. How much um, what's that? You know, how much feet do you put in the ground per week? Yeah. Uh, I think we shoot for what thirty thousand a week right now. So I think this, like last week, I, I got—I just pulled up the email. We placed about sixteen thousand nine hundred and seven feet. Nice, um, nice underground. Alone. But you get, but you get fifty-two weeks of construction, right? Right. Uh, we are building most of the year. Yeah, uh, yeah. See, that's that—that's that's the mistake I made building in the north. Is we have to shut down for like sixteen weeks a year. So yeah. I'm, I'm envious of all of you in the south. Oh, come on. You were in a freaking like RV like a minute ago. Yeah, but not, we're not putting any footage. You know, you only, you only, you can only build network when you put footage in the ground. So, okay. It's, yeah, it's sad. All right. If you uh, don't put more um, fiber in the ground, is what you're saying. Yeah, well, Chris, Chris has been traveling purposely so he doesn't have to buy chicken wings, I think. So, we're going to get to the bottom of this. Oh, soon. no, uh, you're back to buying the chicken wings because we're in double or nothing. And, um, oh, and okay. there's no possible way I'm going to lose. <laughs> what was Doug, Kim, what do you think? What yeah. Let's like, what, what is the bet that we're double to nothing on? This the speed of the, F the FCC going anything other than uh, yeah, like March 3rd, we'll have a new definition of broadband. <laughs> Thanks, Doug. <laughs> yeah, that's going to happen with only four commissioners there. Yeah, that's gonna At that point, I will literally take Travis out to dinner once and then declare bankruptcy. <laughs> <laughs> because of the transient inflation. <laughs> hey, um, Tarvana test coming up here in four weeks. So awesome. That be hear about that. I, I'm real excited to hear about that. Um, yeah. You know, I, I've heard good things about it. We'll we'll see if it does amazing as they say it is. 
So we'll talk about that next week. Um, we'll talk about it with uh, some of the folks that are that are doing it. Um, are they running uh, it? Uh, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure that um, that Matt Larson is using it in some places. Okay. He's from Vistabeam. He and, uh, and then Alan Fitzpatrick will be back, um, our guest we've had on in the past, who's uh, at um, uh, oh, um, remind me, Doug. Um, just blew my mind. The um, the name of the company. Ah, oh, um, uh -huh. in North Carolina here, and it's a great. They're great. Yeah, the they do yeah. the uh, open broadband. Open um, broadband. Yep. And uh, yeah, they they do some really great work. Uh, so we'll talk a bit about what's going on there and some of the the cool tactics they use because both of them are also small companies that are really gritty. So we're gonna talk about some of that stuff next week. Can I ask one question before we go? Nope. Doug, it's any? Like we're done. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what of your Wisp customers' uh, reaction to the bead? I think you're gonna oh. talk about that next week. <laughs> yeah, that's really the question. The the answer is there. Most there's only three or four really giant ones. All the little ones have a are going to have a real problem with this, with the guarantee and the money thing. No, are they? Are they? That stops they, from getting state grants. So that, that's the big hurdle for them is the is is guaranteeing their funds up front and all. That's really how about, be, how about being disqualified because they're in yeah. unlicensed spectrum? Well, if you're in unlicensed spectrum, you can't get these grants. That's well, not that's even, what I mean. So did they? Are they all panicking now because they have no spectrum to play in? Well, yeah, on top of that, they're guaranteed to be overbuilt now by these grants. So, yeah, that's not good. Well, and let's be honest, Travis, they're never going to apply for it either because of all the paperwork that you love so much. Right. Too. No. Well, not the small ones. My, but my theory like, for the small guys like Alan is if if all this bead money ends up with $100 broadband, they still have a great future because they can still yeah. compete with $60 and $70 and be fine. So. And if you've and if you've seen the six, we haven't talked much about it. But if you, if you've seen the results of the six gigahertz spectrum wireless testing, it's pretty impressive actually for rural communities. It'll be a, I think it'll be a very viable solution. The uh, I thought there was frustrations with power levels or something like power, that. Power is the power problem. Levels are not high enough. Yeah. So. But but the results of you know if you've got a signal has been pretty impressive. The other thing is, can we keep a list going of who actually applies for bead? Do we know if anyone actually is intending to right now, other than they're the not even going to be due till next fall, Travis? Well, that's the thing is that, and not that, but let's be clear: well, like Grant was some of them open till like next September. Well, I guess this isn't really that big a problem, then, is it? If we can wait not till yet. next September, okay. <laughs> we'll talk about it every week, though. Um, the have, how many times Travis says who's going to apply for this money? I want to meet this person. You know, Don't, I want to. I want to meet the I people mean, that are going to apply. Well, we talked about the private equity, but private equity isn't just in fiber, right? You got Nextlink, I think, you know, yeah. Starry at this point. Are they private equity or are they just doing their own he thing? He actually is going IPO. Um, but there's a bunch of these like big yeah. wisps that I, I think actually one of the biggest threats to the small wisps is these big, massive wisps. Right. So, um, and that's been the case for a number of years now. So right. it'll be curious to see how that continues to develop. As the world turns, they say, huh? Oh, I know. Yes. I got one thing out of today's meeting. I can now, every time I talk to Alan, I can just call him gritty. So. Oh, totally. Um, <laughs> also, don't forget tomorrow's donut day. Don't let that one pass you by. National Donut Day. Does Krispy Kreme give a free donut like they did with... Um, they the probably do one. They probably give you one. And I just want to, next time Travis asks what government does for us, I'll just say without government, we would have no National Government Day. So there you go, Travis. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you can ever fix the pothole out in front of my house, I'd appreciate it. Too. Put some donuts in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, the ones that the ones that the vendors bring to Kim's work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
Thank you, everyone. Uh, it's been it's a, it's great to be back. Uh, oh, um, for people who do make it this long, either uh, put in the an email, tweet, uh, whatever. Let me know. Should we start an hour earlier? Uh, I don't know. Some people on the East Coast, I think, are a little annoyed that it's like after six o'clock now. So, uh, you know, I'd be down to consider going an hour earlier and we can we can mull it over. But I'm curious what people think. Kim and Doug love this so much. They'll do it at any time. We could do it at 6 a.m. I did it at 9 a.m. or whatever we did last time, so I'm here. Yeah, except we're not funny then. That's we're not. <laughs> there's, a, there's a whole bunch of people that were willing to tell me I'm not funny at any hour of the day, so uh, you all should feel pretty happy about being funny sometimes. <laughs> you weren't all that funny when you on the last one either because you were tired. So. I was just excited not to be freezing. I was going to do it from outside. <laughs> the fact that I got inside was great. <laughs> Uh, it's great to talk to everyone and uh, we'll look forward, uh, you know, whether it's uh, two weeks, three weeks, but we'll be all back here together again to talk about new old news uh, on bead and uh, hope you all have a great time until then. But it's I been guess a wonderful we weeks to find somebody who's going to do the grant for Travis. So. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I want to meet this person. So, <laughs> yeah. all right. Now I feel like we have a new bet coming on yeah, or yeah, a yeah. challenge challenge accepted. And this has been an episode of, Connect this.